Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, November 16th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, as the holiday season nears, state health leaders evaluate the rising trends in coronavirus cases and hospitalizations. Then, with the election in the rearview mirror, we hear from the state chairman from both major parties on the lessons learned and next steps forward. Plus, heightened community COVID-19 transmission is compelling more more schools switch to distance learning. We talked to one district about its decision to shift one of its largest schools to virtual. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Health officials continue to sound the alarm as coronavirus cases in Mississippi surge. For the majority of last week, the seven-day rolling average remained around 1,000 new coronavirus cases per day. Hospitalizations and ICU occupancy also continue to rise. State health officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says during this time of heightened transmission, the threat of infection is closer than many would assume. They catch it from people they know. And it's going to be, it's going to be somebody you work with, it's, it's in your family or it's a friend. And what we see in part of its human nature is people are naturally they drop their guard. more protected around strangers, right? But I know you. You're safe. I'm going to take my mask off. And that's what we see a lot of this. I'm going to give you a hug. Yeah. We're going to sit down and have a meal. I'll tell you right now, and I'm just going to be straight up with y'all, we really need to be thinking about what we're doing. It is really bad. Our hospitals are full. We've got more people dying. Our caseload is unbelievable. And, um, you know, if you're vulnerable, if you're over 50, um, well, I'm over 50, but if you have chronic medical conditions or older, um, diabetes, hypertension, if, if, if you're um, overweight and if you're, um, you know, have any vulnerability, you really need to stay home as much as you can. Not go to church, nothing social, and um, be extremely careful. Beyond that, everybody else needs to be very careful. 
Test positivity rates are another metric on the rise. Dobbs says testing capacity is at a level to meet demand, but demand, too, is growing. Our testing locations, you know, we have free testing in every county, and we've doubled up, right? So we're doing testing at least like twice in most counties every week. And our testing location here, we have been booked up. Good. That's bad. (laughs) (laughs) But it's good. People are using it. Yeah, but but we have so much demand, so and, and, and our positivity rate is really high. It's it's going it's going up, and and previously when we started having our um, our testing sites get uh, get filled up is when we're having more symptomatic people, yep. and, mm-hmm. and we're having more transmission. We're finding just on our rapids at our at our drive-throughs, we're getting almost two hundred. You well, know, the percentage is is, oh, yeah. is somewhere between you know ten to fifteen percent for all kinds. Increased community spread of the virus has led to transmission in school classrooms, causing some schools to return to virtual education. Health officials fear the increased transmission is a result of out-of-balance priorities. Our hierarchy of prioritization is extremely skewed, and we're prioritizing youth sports not only over academics, we're actually prioritizing it over community health, Just, just to be honest. Um, and I'm not saying there's not intrinsic value to sports. I love sports. It was a part of a good part of my developmental experience. Um, and but sometimes we got to take a break. Um, sometimes we have to modify our stuff. And you know, people lost their minds when you couldn't have full stadiums full of football folks. Um, you know, there's please everybody do a little soul searching um, and understand: Are we making the right decision with this? We are all connected. Um, there's a great CDC MMWR talking about a wedding. And how it, and how within two transmission cycles it led to a whole bunch of deaths. Um, you know, you know, there's an outbreak in a nursing home from somebody who had gone from there, and there was another one that went to a school, another went to some other place. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is all connected. It is all connected. And one of the reasons we're seeing a lot of outbreaks in some of the elementary schools we're seeing now is because the older kids got it in high school and they spread it to their family, and then those kids brought it to the elementary school. Increased community spread of the virus has led to transmission in school classrooms, causing some schools to return to virtual education. Uh, Health officials are tracking the news of potential coronavirus vaccines. Distribution of a vaccine would be procedural and could take months. It's also viewed by many as an added tool in the mitigation toolbox and not a cure-all. Dr. Dobbs is hopeful it could aid in the state's fight against further spread. State epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers is a little more skeptical. I think I'm more optimistic about the impact of the vaccine. No, I'm 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 optimistic about the impact of the vaccine, but but cautiously optimistic, um, because I think you know when we, when we look at the vaccine, we're, we're really going to have to 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 get enough doses and get enough vaccine in people um, quickly so that we can really have the impact on on herd immunity yeah. that we that we desire. I think there's a lot of unknowns. We don't know how long the immunity is going to last with the vaccine right now. I, yep. I think it's probably going to be in the range of six to eight months. But that, that makes, I do think what we disagree in is, is I keep on thinking people are going to learn. There have been 133,340 reported cases of COVID-19 since March 11th, with 3,540 related deaths. The Department of Health is offering free COVID-19 testing tomorrow in Rolling Fork at the Rolling Fork Civic Center. No appointment is required and no symptoms are necessary to receive a test. 
Coming up, with the election in the rearview mirror, we hear from the state chairman from both major parties on the lessons learned and next steps forward. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. It has been nearly two weeks since the 2020 general election, but the tremors from the contentious national contest are still being felt. President Donald Trump has refused to concede to challenger Joe Biden and has leveled unsubstantiated claims of fraud against the election process in a number of key states. The races in Mississippi, however, are settled and the president's party maintains its stronghold on the state's congressional seats. All of the GOP's incumbents won re-election, and the state went strongly for the Trump-Pence ticket. State GOP Chair Frank Bordeaux shares the lessons the party learned from this election. I think what we have to do is we got to continue to uh, grow our party and, uh, and, and work hard to make sure that we have good conservative leadership. Uh, I know that Governor Reeves is uh, working very hard on uh, every day on growing the party. And that's one of the reasons why he put, in, put me in this position. We've all been able to work with several folks uh, at the county level and uh, flipping from uh, uh, Democrat to Republican in the last uh, few weeks. And we have a lot more that want to move over. And, and so we're going to continue to focus in on that. And, uh, and we're able to use our strength in Mississippi and the Republican Party. You you will see in Georgia uh, a number of volunteers coming from Mississippi. We're raising uh, several thousand dollars already uh, for the uh, Georgia Centurial race. And so I think that we can uh, we'll focus in on our borders. When we have to go outside of our borders, we'll uh, definitely be able to do that as well and help uh, the Republican Party. When you say you're working with those who want to switch over, do these individuals want to switch because their political views have changed or because they want the strength behind them that the Republican Party offers? I think that what they're seeing is they're seeing a a national narrative in the Democrat Party that they don't agree with. When I talk to sheriffs across our state that are Democrat, these guys, they're very concerned about the national narrative. Uh, And so I think that uh, their politics have always been pretty conservative. Uh, They've been lifelong Democrats and in some instances multi-generation Democrats, and I think they just feel that the national narrative does not fit their narrative any longer. And so, uh, and obviously the power of our party uh, in the state of Mississippi, there is a huge value to the, of that uh, for uh, uh, folks to want to move over to our party. In Mississippi, um, getting some, some of the leaders to switch over to the Republican Party, what about switching independent voters, going after voters, and how are you engaging independents or even Democratic voters to come to your side of the aisle, so to speak? Well, I think that that's very important, and that's a definite charge that we have, not only independent voters, but Democrat voters and uh, uh, young voters and minority voters. We're definitely going to heavily recruit 
uh, all Mississippians to join uh, the Mississippi Republican Party, join our cause. Uh, we also need to recruit uh, some younger and, and uh, uh, folks to run as Republicans. That's part of our job is to recruit good candidates. And, uh, and so we're going to be on the college campuses. We're, that's a major focus of ours. Obviously, we've been in Lafayette County and uh, started the groundwork on that. We're working with all of our statewide elected officials, including uh, our two senators, to be engaged in this process. Uh, we plan on doing a uh, Delta tour and, and go around and, and talk to folks inside the Delta and see how we can earn their back. Um, I, I believe that the Mississippi Republican Party has a lot to offer uh, uh, all Mississippians, and so we're going to uh, engage with, with everybody and try to earn their votes. The Republican Party is, of course, a conservative party, and policies in place and, and ways of looking at things that separate this party from the Democrats, of course. Is there a separation between the policies of the Republican Party and the presidency of Donald Trump, or do they complement one another? I think Donald Trump obviously complements the Republican Party very well. Look, we had gains all across the nation uh, in the Republican Party, uh, and so I think that's obviously a, uh, a referendum on uh, the president's policies and the policies of our uh, the uh, conservatives in the United States Senate. And so I believe that uh, he translates very well to the Republican Party. I, I think that we're a very broad party and a party of many ideas, and that's what makes us great. And so, um, and, and obviously, he, he is the leader of our party, and so, uh, of, of course, we uh, we support him and his policies. Frank Bordeaux is the chairman of the Mississippi Republican Party. Thank you so much for being with us and talking with us. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. For the state's Democrat Party, 2020 signaled an opportunity to shift the state purple, picking up a key Senate seat. But for the second time in as many years, challenger Mike Espy was not able to win against Republican Cindy Hyde-Smith. Retired Judge Tyree Irving is chair of the state party. He reflects on the hard-fought campaign. I was hoping that Mike could pull it off, and but I knew that... Uh, you know, it was still a tall order. It was an uphill struggle uh, to make that happen. But I, I felt really confident, uh, confident that if he lost, it would be really uh, close. Uh, but uh, it's not apparently it's not going to be as close as close as I thought it would be. And I think it's for me, it's very simple. Uh, and again, understand that I have not uh, gone through and analyzed the data. But, you know, I knew that Donald Trump was immensely popular here in Mississippi. Uh, And I knew, well, I I feared, I should say, that he would have significantly long coattails uh, and that Sidney Hyde would uh, profit from that. Um, And I think that's what happened. Was there an effort by the Democratic Party in Mississippi to get out the vote among the black community? Of course there was. Of course there was. Uh, this was probably the more aggressive uh, effort that you've seen in in modern times uh, in this race. Um, it was certainly an effort, but it wasn't just to get out the black vote. It was also to uh, hopefully to, to reach... Uh, 
the progressive vote out there on the white side if there is a progressive vote, and I believe there is. Last year, Jim Hood lost to Tate Reeves in the governor's race, and people at that time said, or some people said, if Jim Hood can't win, then what Democrat can? Because he was a strong Democratic candidate. Do you think the Republican Party's stronghold in state government is too powerful? How does the Democratic Party break through that? By simply um, uh, coming up with an agenda that addresses the needs of Mississippians and aggressively uh, take that agenda to the people. And I think over time they will respond. I would not be chairman of the Democratic Party uh, if I was a pessimist, if I believe that Democrats uh, cannot uh, assert themselves uh, and be victorious uh, going forward in this state. People will respond favorably uh, to, in my judgment, a candidate who they believe, if they trust, uh, will help make their life better. Uh, based on what the candidate offers. Um, And uh, we're going to have a very clear message, um, and uh, we're going to have a good candidate uh, or candidates, and uh, I think we're going to be successful. What is that message? If the Democratic Party has a message, what is that? Well, there is not a single person who works so hard uh, for 40 hours a week and does not have medical insurance because the job can the, the employer um, either cannot afford it or will not afford it, uh, but and the person is not making enough wages uh, to be able to buy their insurance themselves. Um, that voter, whether that voter is black or white, would respond to a candidate. Uh, who is uh, addressing that particular issue. Uh, there are any number of issues uh, out there that uh, people will respond to. That's one. Uh, the cost of education is another. Um, uh, we will have an agenda that will speak to the needs of the people, and I think the people will, res- will respond. Tyree Irving is the chair of the Mississippi Democratic Party. Judge Irving, thank you very much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for asking me to um, share my views about uh, the future of the Democratic Party. Coming up, heightened community COVID-19 transmission is compelling more schools switch to distance learning. We talked to one district about its decision to shift one of its largest schools to virtual. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Slowly we started, you know, picking these turtles up and saving them. I'll stop traffic, grab one out of the road. And then our friends found out and our vet would call us. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We are now a full-fledged, nonprofit turtle rescue. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. More and more schools across the state are shifting to virtual learning as transmission of the coronavirus soars. While state health officials attribute the rising numbers to community spread, Dr. Thomas Dobbs says there are they're starting to trace some infections to schools. He's encouraging schools to consider the virtual option. Um, I think it's a good time for schools, if they're having outbreaks, to look at virtual for a while. We're seeing more of that. I, I fully support that. I mean, we think kids benefit from being in class. We get that. Um, so that's an important thing. But if you're having outbreaks, a virtual break is a great idea. I think it's also a good idea to think about backing off athletics for a little bit, especially visitors. Um, I would recommend that nobody go and be a spectator at any sporting event right now. And I would strongly encourage schools to be looking at their schedule and saying, hey, is this really necessary? Can we put off the games for a couple of weeks? We're seeing more and more schools having to cancel games. One school shifting to a virtual learning is Germantown High School in Madison County. Jean Wright is director of communications for Madison County Schools. She says the decision is a result of the protocols put in place before students reported to campus in September. Before we returned to on-campus learning this fall, we knew it was important to establish protocols and policies in the case that we needed to transition from on-campus to distance learning. So in conjunction with the Mississippi Department of Health, our our administrators created that policy so that when we reached a tipping point, we would be um, ready to easily make that transition. And that's what happened at at Germantown High School. We had several cases last week, um, and then several more came in this week, and and we reached that tipping point where um, we did not want to be part of uh, any kind of spread of COVID. So to mitigate spread, we made that transition to distance learning. You have a couple of other big high schools in Madison County. What are the situations there? Are they near that tipping point? At this point, all of our other campuses look in really good shape to continue with on-campus learning. Of course, we monitor those numbers every day, and if circumstances change, of course, um, you know, it it may necessitate a different decision. But at this point, we look uh, in really good shape to continue with on-campus learning at all of our other campuses in the district, except for Germantown High School. If you would explain how this distance learning works, incorporated with your usual schedule for Germantown High. Sure. Well, our entire district actually has already scheduled distance learning days um, on the Monday and Tuesday leading up to Thanksgiving during that week. So the 23rd and 24th, our entire district um, was already scheduled to be distance learning. So for Germantown High School, uh, they will have, eight days of distance learning, whereas everyone else will just have those two. So they will begin distance learning um, on Friday, the 13th of November was the first day of distance learning, and then for the next full week will also be distance learning. What happens after Thanksgiving? You will reassess? Um, Don't we all wish that we had a crystal ball Um, (laughs) at this point? You know, we continue to look at numbers every single day. Um, We'll continue to ask families to report into us over the holiday break to let us know um, if students become sick. But again, um, we can all do our part by wearing a mask, washing our hands, watching our distance, and try to keep this community spread 
as low as possible because as we see more numbers in our community, that will spill over into our schools, and we really want to stay in school. I think we would all agree that that kids do better in the classroom, physically in the classroom. There must be disappointment on their parts that they have to be distance learning for more days than they expected. Um, You know, I really can't speak for how the students feel or the teachers feel, but, um, but certainly everyone has enjoyed this fall getting a little bit of normalcy, and it hasn't been exactly normal, but being able to engage in sports, being able to engage in art, to see friends, um, and to have that, that classroom setting with the give and take with the teacher and discussion, we missed that. Um, and so we really do want to continue as much normalcy as possible. And that includes on-campus learning, but we've got to have everybody's help um, in terms of mitigating this illness so that we can do that. And let me ask you finally, because you're asking everyone to to be safe and wear masks. Masks are mandatory in Madison County schools? Yes. And are there uh, hand sanitizer available in various locations through the schools? Absolutely. Our operations staff did a fabulous job of stocking up as soon as this pandemic began. So we have wipes, sanitizer, spray, um, equipment to sanitize large spaces as well. So, um, again, we really haven't seen spread occurring in our schools. It's outside where we're having the issues. Jean Wright is the Director of Communications at Madison County Schools. We wish your students and your teachers and staff a, a very healthy future. Thanks so much for being with us, Jean. Thank you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.